Hi everyone, I'm Jo van der Voort. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Remote, where we are reimagining how the world works and lives. Welcome to Remote Talks, the show where we interview the top minds in remote work and global employment. And in this first episode, we welcome UID Management CEO Tei Roxen to discuss engagement with remote teams, combating natural biases and managing across different cultures. Enjoy. So let's let's get straight into it. Um, I think, uh, Tayo, you um, more than anyone, I, I suspect, have a good idea of how companies are dealing or not dealing with uh, diversity and in, in, uh, inclusion. Um, over the last months, of course, the whole world has started working remotely, which... Uh, in, in my optics, at least, gives organizations the opportunity to actually build a more diverse team now that they're not just hiring from or have the ability to not just hire from the neighborhood. Have you seen any change, good or bad, over the last months? Um, love to hear what you think. Uh, you know, it's an interesting question because I'm, I'm approaching it through multiple lenses. The, the last month or two, you know, the climate of the world has meant that a lot of things uh, you know, a lot of pressure has been put on companies. So it's hard to always gauge if it's authentic or not. So I've seen a lot of push towards, you know, consultants and trainings and things like that. But in my experience, I've, the companies that have reached out to me, they've been more interested in figuring out sustainable plans. And, and I think that's good. Uh, I think my concern and the true test would be what happens a year from now. You know, when, when maybe COVID is, is, is well past us, hopefully, fingers crossed, and, and people are starting to get back to the office, does that still stay, uh, you know, the, the attitude? But for now, I think a lot of the, the, the temperament has been on, on trying to react. And um, I'm still watching companies to see who is proactive enough to actually uh, do this without being prompted. So, yeah, so far so good, but it's, it's hard to measure. Have you, have you seen any uh, examples of you know, organizations or maybe organizations that were already remote or independent of that, that actually have done a, a good job with embracing diversity or is it mostly talk and no, no action? I've worked mostly with companies that just became remote. Uh, so for me, you know, even though I've been remote for a long time, a lot of times the, the companies that I work with, they decided to be remote during the pandemic. So it's, it's, it's not like it was uh, something that they were doing before, but even with the re the remote cultures, the CEOs who decided to make it permanently remote, what they, what I've noticed, I'm thinking of one company in particular, they've widened their net uh, for, for hiring, which is what I was advocating for before. And it's good to see that happen. There's a company that I know that I work with, which is based in Maryland. And now they hire on the West coast, they hire, uh, on you know uh, on different time zones and they know that they don't have to be in, in the office so the office that they had they have, I think they're now leasing it out so there's that and then thinking of another company which is a call center that I, that I have they have also opened up their their idea of changing geography so th those would be the two biggest ones that I can say um, but yeah and, and then when thinking about, you know, hiring, you say widening the net is something you advocated for uh, before. Is that sufficient? Like if I just say, well, we're going to hire from anywhere, uh, am I automatically going to build a remote team? And yes, I'm setting you up for this answer. <laughs> well, it's a start. It's a start because 
then you know you you're not going to have the excuse of demographics. So there are some cities where them, the demographics might not match what you're trying to you know match in terms of your your customers and, and clientele. But then you can also think about demographics from the idea of different age, different yeah, generation, nationality, you know, things like that, and all those perspectives really add a certain idea to your culture. They add culture, in essence, to, to your company. So that's the lens that, that I think of. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So that way, there's a different dimension of diversity and inclusion there. And, and, and so, you know, the, the, the moment that you have this, this way, so you, you have more applicants of, you know, a greater diversity in, in your pool. Uh, what is next as an organization? What, what is, like, what is the obvious next step that companies are not doing today? It's, it's just the inclusion aspect of this, because uh, to me, communication is a big part of inclusion. And many companies fail with the communication aspect. What is communicating updates, communicating... Uh, what the the development plan is, the people development plan is, making sure that they're, if you're a startup, talking about the state of the company. And when there was no pandemic, that was already a problem. But now with the pandemic, it's hard sometimes to to mimic that environment for, for, for some CEOs. So, you know, because to them, they're like, okay, I've got to report to the to, to my board and then I've got to raise money and it's now in a virtual environment. The last thing I'm thinking of is, you know, updating my, my, my employees on, Hey, this is, we just acquired this company. We just did this. This is going to impact your policies. But the reason why I say that that's the thing that I've noticed that has fallen um, to wayside is that it becomes very easy to get uh, to justify not having time with, you know, a lot of what's going on with teaching and being a parent and, 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 and all that. And that's why, I, I always say whenever you're in a remote environment, structure is the most important thing that you can do as a leader, you know, providing people with a plan and being proactive enough to say, hey, this is, what, this is where we are right now. Each week, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we're going to meet on these, uh, these specific issues. Uh, your salary is going to be this. Uh, as far as your career path, we're going to make sure you get here. You let me know what you want and let me see if I can pair you up with a mentor and that but that that's the thing that i've seen that that has honestly been the thing that has struggled the most in my assessment that's uh, that's, that's very interesting to hear I, I in my experience i always feel like the moment you start working remotely and the moment you start building a distributed team the the distance between any individual is as great as any other um meaning that it's relatively easy to talk to a whole group of people because you literally don't have to get everybody to get in a room you can, you can just send them a message or like, like an email you think or, yeah you would think, you would think. I, I'm hearing a lot of, you know, some people are, what do you call it? They say, I'm zoomed out or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all that. But I, I actually think it's a good t- chance for people to uh, figure out how to engage more and more uh, in terms of learning how to communicate beyond what we're used to. And I think a lot of communication has to do outside of verbal. It's a, it's a lot of nonverbal. It's a lot of things that we, we miss out on. And this is a good chance for people to to decide to be proactive and say, "Hey, let me let me get to know John. Let me get to know Kofi. Let me get to know, you know, Margaret." But there has to be that onus and that company culture that that promotes that because sometimes people feel like I don't want to overstep. 
<laughs> I I don't know if this person knows me. Is this a new hire? Let me just stay here. And they won't know anything until there is that environment and that of cohesiveness there. And uh, reading your website, you talk a lot about um, you know, cultural differences between people from all over the world. Um, have, have you seen this accelerate or change now that everybody's working remotely or in particular in companies that are remote? Yeah, yeah, it, it has a lot. I think it's caused a lot of people to relax on some of the, the cultural norms that they might have had. The big cultural differences would be timing. You know, some people have different flexibility with time. You know, some people can say it's a certain time you come here, but maybe two hours later is what they mean. But now that has to be more rigid because <laughs> two hours is a, is a big time. You know, maybe the, the you know your kids are are, are away, uh, and then you know within that two hour window, if you don't show up, you really have to be there. You know, you talk about diapers and and and, and changing that has to be you know top of mind. Uh, also, respect in communication, and sometimes in meetings, uh, in some cultures, people don't get you know they don't speak on, unless they get called upon. And it's hard to figure out how to call upon someone in a different setting in Zoom the way you do. Some people prefer one-on-one. -on -one. Some people want to reach out to you, first of all. And so it's become more imperative for people to set the standard and say, hey, in this setting, I'm going to talk this way. Uh, feel free to have more input. It's not going to be seen as supporting it. And, and, and it's interesting. I do think, though, that you know, with that clarity, uh, companies are getting used to it and adjusting to it. Uh, and then there, there are people that just, honestly, people that haven't figured out how to adjust to the new normal. And I think that's um, probably more of a hindrance because the, the idea of holding on to uh, the, that would be the concept that we're going to go back to normal, I think is probably not going to be a case that is going to help people because the, the normal that we're going to experience is going to be new. So. Yeah, I think uh, one thing that I, especially when talking about like getting zoomed out is um, we always advocate very hard for asynchronous work and trying to do the actual work that you do to be as offline as possible. And, and, and what I've been seeing is that there's this strong uh, counter reaction to this, which is, well, I, I want to talk with people and I want to be with people. And it's yeah. very interesting to try to uh, communicate to the whole world. It's like, no, no, we, we we're talking about asynchronous work that doesn't mean that we don't like other people and that we don't have meetings to get to know each other and we have calls to you know you know build a culture build connection between people in the organization and i think that that has definitely been a challenge in terms of how remote work or working from home has been perceived yes yes i i agree and i've i i won't i don't want to say that I, that's all the companies that I work with because some companies really thrive on that but Yes, the idea of that is not something people are used to. And I've also seen some companies, not all companies, some companies because of the lack of trust that comes from some people who are able to build rapport in the office, there's a micromanagement thing. And it sometimes doesn't have the best effect <laughs> because people are actually walking on eggshells and feeling like, eee, consequence, what did I do, what did I do? Uh, and, and so those are some of the things I, I try to bring up ahead of time. How do you first, you know, when I'm leading with teams, I always specifically work on bias and team building so that people can understand how to communicate effectively and then understand how to build those trusts and build rapport so that as the months go by, 
you don't default to a bad habit of making someone feel like they are incompetent because that plays a big role in how, how the morale of the, of, uh, of the employee is. And so how does, how does uh, bias play, play into this? Well, so bias, if you're thinking of hiring someone from a different background, we all have biases, right? And if your first interaction with someone from a different background is virtual and you haven't really gotten to experience them, tell you their lived experiences, it's easy for people to, you know, to default to their triggers. So we get, our biases get triggered mostly when we don't have enough time or multitasking or tired. So you think about the world, uh, imagine all these things. I'm, I'm tired. I have so many deadlines. I'm talking to Hong Kong. I'm talking to these things. E even if you have all these good intentions, sometimes if you haven't actually reflected on what your biases or become aware of what those things are, you, you know, you could just misinterpret things. And when you misinterpret that, you, you say something and it's not even always in person. It might be an email or a chat or a Slack chat. And that person misinterprets that. And then it becomes this whole thing where this person is a jerk or I know he never does this or she never does that. And it becomes really problematic. And you, you know, that can create this whole cycle where there's a separation where it didn't, that it needs to be. And it's, it's one of those things, uh, uh, that I always try to at least bring up first of, you know, first of all, whenever is it, is it sufficient that. to be aware of your biases or do you need to do more than that? Awareness plus action equals change is what I would say. Awareness is a good part of it, but I, action needs to be there as well. And action really comes from that commitment to unlearning and commitment to being open. You know, uh, many, not many people are open to the idea of multiple ways to get to the same path mm. and there's a there's a there's a story i always share and it's from it's one of my favorite stories and i was interviewing someone from my podcast and he was uh you know he used to lead an asian asian team and uh, there were a bunch of people from north america on the company but he was there on a retreat so he asked people hey what animal should our new year be and you know a bunch of people said from the Asian market said a snake and it led to this argument because people were like, what, why would you say you're a snake? It's so dark. It's like the devil. It's, 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 it's just horrendous. And it was back and forth. And this gentleman noticed, you know, a lady in, uh, I believe she, I think she was from Korea and she's uh, he asked her, Hey, why haven't you said anything? He said, well, you didn't call on me. And uh, if you called on me, I, I would have said something culture. And so he said, well, why don't you um, share your opinion? And she said, well, um, in my culture, uh, a snake signifies growth. And, you know, we shed our skin, snake shed their skin and it signifies growth. And everybody in the room just kept quiet and they all of a sudden realized that they hadn't listened. And it was because both cultures had this idea of what a snake meant, but none of them were actually listening. And if they were looked around, they would have seen, first of all, we're marketing to an Asian market. This is a different interpretation. I'm bringing my lens here into this. I'm getting offended by this. And I didn't even ask why. And that's what I'm noticing happens a lot. And that comes from, you know, the interpretations that come with biases and all that. So it's very important for those type of things to happen. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that, that's a great story. That's, uh, that's very nice. And so... You know, you mentioned like uh, there's going to be a new normal. We're not going to go back to the way things were. Uh, how do you think 
what do you think is going to happen in the next few years and in particular in the areas that you are interested in? Well, I, I think more, a lot of companies are going to be virtual. I think a lot of schools are going to, there's a lot of parents are going to go for a homeschool option as well, you know, because I, I, I operate in the workplace education and media field and some people are going to like the new, <laughs> uh, the new model. And it's going to be the onus, the onus is going to be on companies to come up with a flex model where people can accommodate both types of, of things. And given that, that means that people are going to need to learn how to truly pick up on the, the rapport and building rapport with people from virtual environments. How do you know someone's habits? Well, how do you know what someone likes and what someone doesn't do? Which means you're going to have to be more vigilant and, and more um, you know, proactive with, with getting to know people. In terms of um, policies and, and, and things like, uh, you know, I guess, growth, I do think we're going to actually tap into some of the, the globalized, globalization that we've missed out on before, because some companies I'm noticing are realizing that there's cheaper labor, which is, I don't know where I stand on this yet, because I, I think we can get into this unethical zone. But I've noticed, you know, I've had conversations with CEO where like, oh, I don't really have to have, I don't have to pay people this amount of money. I pay them here, but in this country, this is what it is. And so they end up paying less than they're worth in their own country. Yep. And I, to me, that's a little, I don't know, that's unethical, I think. But I'm you noticing think, you think that everybody should be paid the same salary independent of where they live. I think if you're doing the same job and you've set a, a salary, maybe I'm in minority of this for that job, that person should be compensated the same way, man, woman, non-binary individual. But I know that a lot of companies are adjusting to the, 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 the currency and different time zones. But I don't know. It's hard for me to reconcile that. I don't know. I'm like an idealist sometimes. So <laughs> no, I, I think that's good. I mean, we, you know, we, we get that question every single day, tens of times from, from our customers that employ people for the first time in other countries. And they say, like, how much should I pay this person? And what I uh, tend to recommend, uh, which is not necessarily what my opinion is, but what I, what I tend to recommend is you set a floor for a particular uh, position. So you say, you know, we're going to pay at least everybody 50K, independent of where they live in the planet. And then I'm going to adjust the local market or, you know, local markets could be the market that this person is in not even in physical location but the, like the, the the labor market in which they are active in and in sometimes the physical location uh, they're in what we see is that companies that try to pay everybody the same they either end up doing one of two things one they pay everybody a san francisco salary because that's the highest on the market and you have no alternative you want to hire those people as well uh, and if you don't do that you're going to have salary discrepancies that you want the, don't want in your organizations or they're going to avoid hiring those people that live in San Francisco or that like yeah. have high in the companies and like, and they're going to be faced with like, Oh, we need this important position and we, there's very limited talent, but like we are not willing to pay for it. And, and, and so I, I, I really, I like personally feel like, yes, we should all be paid the same way. But if you're very pragmatic about it, I, it's like, it's going to be really hard to make that happen for any organization of scale. Cause it is standard of living. Because you brought up San Francisco, San Francisco, I live in New York. San Francisco is consistently the most expensive city or, yeah. or New York back and forth. Yeah. And there, you know, that's the argument. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, 
Yeah, you know, I, I, like I said, it's, it's, I think it's the idealist in me, but I could see how, you know, if you pay the same in one city, it's not the same for another city that doesn't have to pay as much in rent or school and all that. But yeah, yeah. it's... Yeah, uh, it's- it's tricky, you know, and then uh, there's also the, the question here is like, well, but do you actually have the choice to live in a particular place, right? Like you don't always choose where you, where you live. Like the very few people have that luxury. Most people, they live in a place where their loved ones are or where, you know, they were born and, and they just don't want to leave. Like that's a, I think that's a great reason to be in a particular place. Um, yeah. And so you don't want to put the onus on the, on the individual to say like, oh, I'm going to move to a place where my income is better relative to my local experience. That's right. That's right. And, that, and, and that you were asking what, what, what things are going to change. I think that that is going to be, you know, limited now. I think a lot of people are going to start to realize that they don't have to just move essentially for jobs. There's some companies now that you can do virtually. I think people are realizing that. And, and for those, you know, I've seen a lot of people leave New York and a lot of people stay in New York, vice versa. And people staying in New York are the ones that, you know, are I truly in love with the city, I've noticed. <laughs> And so they find a way to stay here and other people are realizing I don't have to be here. Uh, and they go back, you know, to their family's home and companies are accommodating for that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tayo, last, last question. Um, you know, we've been through a horrible period with the pandemic through, we're in the middle of it, unfortunately, through lockdowns and everything. You are someone that is, you're incredibly stylish. You wear amazing suits. How oh, I didn't wear a suit today. <laughs> I thought about wearing my suit today, um, but I was thinking, you know, I don't want to put them on the spot. Like, how are you dealing? With, are you wearing suits around the house? How are you? What is? How are you dealing with that? <laughs> I have become. Uh, I love. I love suits, and you're right. And I've noticed during the pandemic, I, I've started wearing more, more t-shirts, and and it's. Uh, I was like, oh gosh, I could actually wear t-shirts, but I I, I do like to to wear suits. So what I do now is since for, you know, for my school that I teach, I teach, I'm a professor, they have a flex model. Most of my students are still virtual, but because maybe two or three of them wanted to be in person, I have to be there. And I just always wear the suit there. Like, yeah, I wear the suit there. But, but you're right. It, it, it is something that I miss, but I think it's a small price to pay for, <laughs> for, uh, for, for trying to pr- provide the safe world. But, yeah, I, I just haven't found myself being as comfortable wearing the, the suits on on Zoom as I thought I would be. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you, you're quickly overdressed uh, on Zoom. Yeah, yeah you start to realize because I was, I was doing it at first and then I was noticing everybody was just like in their t-shirts and it would be normal and everybody would be there. And I'm like, you know, maybe I should just just relax. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking the time today. Um, where can people find you on the internet? I'm at Ty Roxon on any social media platform. So Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. And then, um, yeah, tyroxon.com for the website. Great. Thanks so much. Pleasure to